We're going to read from the second letter of Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. So that's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, page 1161 in the church Bibles. 1161. La segunda epístola de San Pablo a la iglesia en Corinto. Present weakness and resurrection life. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of, Christ, of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Thanks. Thank you, Sue. I thought you were going to translate the whole reading into Spanish then, showing off. Right, well, yesterday was um, a bad day of sport for 
for the England rugby team, the Welsh rugby team, uh, Southampton Football Club, um, and even if you're an Arsenal fan. Um, but one of my, and Callum and Lucy are not here in the front row to gloat, which is good. Um, but one of, my, one of my favorite sportsmen is a Scot, and that's Andy Murray. I, I know it's Novak that is breaking all the records, but, um, but the resilience of Andy Murray is something to behold. This guy has a metal hip. Hands up who's got a metal hip. Yeah, if you, can you imagine playing for six hours in Australia? That's what Andy Murray did, two sets to love down. He just fights and fights and fights. Now, God does give people what we would call common grace. There are some people that are natural fighters, that are naturally resilient. Uh, in the words of Chumbawamba, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Um, but resilience isn't necessarily just a British stiff upper lip, keep calm and carry on. Paul, in this letter to the, to the Corinthians, is very transparent about his own weaknesses. He says in the first chapter, doesn't he, I despaired of life. The Apostle Paul with kind of suicidal thoughts. And really, what we see here is that Christian resilience is founded on faith and the gospel. The gospel of Jesus can change naturally unresilient men and women into great endurers, lovers, hopers, believers. And the secret of Paul's resilience is really shown for us here in this amazing chapter that we just read. He kept on appreciating God's mercy in the face of really strong opposition. He kept relying on God's power rather than his own, and he kept focused on the future. Those are the three things we're gonna look at. So first of all, he kept focus on God's mercy in the face of strong opposition. Look at verse one. Therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. The background here is that Paul had to contend with a group that, are called, that we'll call the Judaizers. They had come and taught in the church of Corinth, and what they were teaching was that to be a real Christian, to be a true, meaty Christian, you need to obey the laws of Moses. You need the food laws, no pork and lots of different other laws. You need to be circumcised if you're a man. You need this extra rigor and discipline if you're to grow in your Christian life. The discipline and rigor that comes from the law of Moses. Now, these people did preach Jesus, and they did preach about the Holy Spirit, but they didn't really accept the newness of Jesus, the newness of the new covenant, which you heard about last week, and the mercy and the grace that is expressed through Jesus. They didn't really understand that. So not only did Paul have to contend with these people, but clearly they were very critical of him. And what Paul is talking about in verse two is really responding to the accusations of these people about his ministry. They accused him of losing heart. And he, he is very transparent about some of the struggles that he had. 
they accused him of using secret and shameful ways, whatever they are, we're not sure. But they accused him of using deception and they accused him of distorting the word of God. Maybe by, because he didn't preach that people needed to be circumcised. So Paul had to defend himself against these accusations and against this group that seemed to have come from Jerusalem with letters of recommendation. Now that could have been a huge distraction to Paul. But he doesn't lose heart. And he is resilient because he's not focused on that. He's focused on God's mercy. Since through God's mercy, I have this ministry. You see, Paul was first and foremost a worshiper. He never forgot the mercy of God. But not only were these Judaizers opposing Paul, Paul had to contend with what he calls in verse 4, the God of this age. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays Christ. So Paul had to contend with Judaizers who were critiquing him and opposing him, and he also had to contend with... Chris, sorry, sorry. Why, why preaching with a box on your head? Mate, I haven't got a box on my head. You have got a box on your head. No, no, so no. Any, anyone can see, anyone no. will tell you, mate, you've got a box on your head, I'm honestly. Gonna, I'm gonna take a photo. box on your head. Oh. No box on my head. Oh. Yeah, I can help, help get Could it you? off you. Yeah, oh. Look. Thank, Here thank you go, mate. Thank you. That, that would have been on your head. Oh, man, imagine there being a photograph of that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. People who have this veil over their eyes think that they see most clearly and that those who have had the veil removed are the blinkered ones right? But Paul says, look, it's the gospel that removes this veil. Look at verse 6 where he uses Genesis language, Genesis 1.1. God who said, let light shine out of darkness, first verses in the Bible, has also said, has also made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory displayed in Jesus Christ. It is through the mercy of God that he removes the deception that we all once were under. If you watch The Matrix, shows us The Matrix. The God of this age has blinded people like grimmer worm tongue in Lord of the Rings. Remember this imposter? He was glued to King Theoden. He acted as his advisor but in so doing, he sucked the life and the vitality and the power from the king, and it took Gandalf to release him from the spell of Wormtongue and then be a vital role in the kingdom in Lord of the Rings. The God of this age has blinded people, like, and like Wormtongue, he twists words, he warps people, he promises them freedom, but the God of this age is an imposter. He's the one who has veiled the Ayatollahs, the Putins, 
but also your neighbors and also you before you came to Christ. And Paul speaks from personal testimony. He too had been deceived before he was shown mercy. Once he believed that Christians were the enemy and they had to be hunted down and destroyed. He persecuted them. He went to other cities to hunt them down and put them to death because he was eaten up with religious zeal and hatred. He had a veil over his own eyes. And then on the road to Damascus, through the mercy of God, the veil was taken away. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So Paul is speaking from personal testimony. And when he writes to Timothy, he gives even more of his testimony. And he says to young Timothy, Timothy, uh, in chapter 1, of this first letter, verse 13 to 14, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. The grace of Jesus was poured on me abundantly. And this is how Paul does not lose heart. He's focused on that. He's focused on the mercy of God, not his opponents, not the God of this age. Now, how about you? Where in your life right now do you need to keep looking to God's mercy and grace? Where are you facing oppression or opposition? I've spoken with some of you who've got grown-up children and they don't believe what you believe. And the disappointment of that and the awkwardness of that sucks you dry. Some of you have got colleagues at work giving you a hard time every day. Some of you got friends at university urging a lifestyle on you that's oppressive. Some of you have got acquaintances who've got a very, very negative view of Christianity and the church. There's a veil over their eyes. What would Paul's advice be to you? Keep worshiping. Keep remembering the mercy and grace of God that's been poured on you abundantly. Even if you feel numb, keep worshiping because worship builds resilience. That's the first thing. And then verses 7 to 12, we see that Paul keeps relying on God's power, not his own. And we've got some beautiful verses here. Verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God, not us. See the contrast? Priceless treasure in jars of mud. Jars, broken, frail, vulnerable. That's what we are. We are unimpressive. We are weak. We are frail. We are vulnerable instruments for carrying this gospel. And yet God chooses for some reason to use us. I've just been at a minister's conference Monday to Wednesday this week minister's conference, many were very broken. A few were recovering from long COVID, nasty. Many were just about hanging on in ministry. But we only realize how powerful God is when we see our own weakness. The Roman world was all about image and power and men strutted around and wanted to be worshipped, to receive worship, the Caesars wanted to be worshipped. And Paul turns all that on his head. 
And he says to the Corinthians, I am a vulnerable man. I am a weak man. Yeah, you, you think I'm weak and I am weak. He's honest with them. And we need that kind of transparency. Do you have it? Do you have a friend or a group that you can be transparent with? We need that to unleash God's power among us because we rely on his power, not on our own. I had this experience last week where we had a meeting in here actually and I read this same passage, just read the words that we're looking at now and then someone just broke down, opened up about their own weakness, how they were struggling, how at times they were despairing, they shed tears, they cried and at that moment we gathered around that person, we laid hands and the God of comfort and hope brought his spirit and his love. And any power that we have comes from him, but it requires a transparency. Look at Paul's transparency and his hope in the next few verses. Verse eight, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I'm not gonna speak for very long this morning because you're gonna hear from two young people in a moment of, of whom these verses are very much true. But Paul experienced depression. Uh, he knew darkness, deep darkness, and he tells us about this. And I know some of you here have experienced extraordinary hardship. You can hardly speak of it. Some of you have had debilitating illness for a long time. Some of you have lived homeless on the streets of Europe as teenagers. You've had to flee your country. You've had to leave your family. You've had to leave everything behind. You've witnessed death. You've witnessed destruction. And now here in Southampton, you face uncertainty and pressure. You're at the mercy of the home office. May you find these words this morning precious. Read them in your own language. I'm perplexed, but not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed because God is with me. Can I introduce you to a man from the 18th century, uh, a man called William Cooper. This man is the author of some of the most famous hymns in the English language the kind of hymn that you'd play when Wales lose a rugby match. Um, God moves in a mysterious way. Oh, for a closer walk with God. And there is a fountain filled with blood. But all his life, this man struggled with his mental health. He spent 18 months in a horrible asylum. All his life, he struggled. And yet God used him to pen beautiful words for the encouragement of many. He knew the brokenness of this world, but he also knew... And these were his favorite words in scripture. He knew that he was never abandoned. Paul carries on in, in verse uh, 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be revealed in our body. Without Paul's sacrificial death, his, his, his ministry that was expressed a lot of brokenness, there'd be no life for these Corinthians. Just as without Jesus' physical death, there'd be no life for us. So I just wonder, 
Um, are you able to be transparent with another Christian, to, to confess your weaknesses? To the extent that you can do that, to that extent you will build a resilience that enables you to rely on his strength and not your own. The third thing that Paul urges us to do to build resilience is to keep focusing on the future, the unseen future. That's verses 13 to 18. Now, 13 uh, is a quotation uh, from Psalm uh, 116, which is all about uh, God's preservation through death. When you're facing death, it's a beautiful psalm praising God for, for deliverance from death and through death. And Paul expresses faith here in the resurrection. Because Jesus rose, we're all going to rise. He was the first fruits, us next. Now, let me introduce you to another woman, uh, Joni Erickson. Joni Erickson was an athletic, fun-loving American teenager. At the age of 17, she dived into a lake, she hit the bottom, and she paralyzed herself from her shoulders down, age 17. She thought her life was over. But she's had an incredible ministry. As you can see, she's an extraordinary artist painting with her mouth. She's a great singer, and she's an amazing public speaker and preacher. But what she testifies to in terms of her resilience is her faith in the resurrection. She speaks about this a lot, that one day her body will be restored. We're doing a series on the body in the evenings, which is great, and you can text in any question you want. But she has faith that everything she lost in the accident will be given back in the resurrection, but even more will be given back because everything that she's gained through the accident will also be added to her too. Her ministry has blessed so many and grace flows from her and is reaching many people, causing great thanksgiving, which is what Paul talks about in verse 15. And it's the same with Nick Vujicic, uh, a uh, person with no arms and legs who speaks about the future uh, of the resurrection. Verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. As I read that, I thought, oh, actually, in society, it's the opposite. Outwardly, people are being renewed day by day through Botox, boob jobs, exercise programs, reassignment surgery, and so on. It's inwardly that people are wasting away. But for Paul, inwardly, he was being renewed day by day because he was focused on the future kingdom. We are achieving, he says, an eternal weight of glory, verse 17. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Folks, everything in this life is wearing away our attractiveness, our skills, our wearing away. Everything our hearts most want are like a wave on the sand. We can't pin it down. But there is an eternal weight 
of glory that outweighs all this. That means everything that you do here has meaning for the future. Everything that you do here in the city has meaning for the future. It doesn't just last here. It has meaning for the future. Continues on. So knowing that our present troubles are producing this weighty glory builds resilience for Paul. In every area of life, our life is shaped by our belief in the future. How we face and process suffering now is influenced by what we believe about the future. The resurrection is coming. Jesus' resurrection announces the beginning of the end for all the suffering that I see around me and in me. And that's why it's good to come to church on a Sunday. On a Sunday because it's resurrection day. We remind ourselves of the resurrection. We celebrate the resurrection. So folks, what have you been reminded about, about Christian resilience in these 20 minutes? Keep looking to God's mercy and worship him. It builds resilience. Keep relying on God's power, not your own. Is there someone to whom you can be vulnerable and transparent in the right circumstances? That's not everybody, is it? But is there somebody so that you can receive God's love and the encouragement of others? Keep focused on the future. Summer is coming. This eternal winter is going to end. Look at the sun shining this morning. Your role, folks, is to bring some of that summer into this winter. So go out and plant the bulbs. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful passage. Lord, we do find sometimes that we are oppressed by criticism, uh, difficult words, and the God of this age as well who, who veils the, the eyes of those who do not believe. Lord, help us to build resilience. Help us to keep worshiping. Help us to keep focused on the future. Help us to find people to whom we can be honest so we can grow in this grace of resilience. Amen.